Before we get started with this week's show, just a quick announcement. Yellow Card has partnered with Away Days Football, which makes original and high-quality football-inspired clothing for the casual looking for something to wear to matches. Use the code YELLOWCARD at checkout to get 15% off your entire order at awaydaysfootball.com. And on a personal note, if you haven't tried the mystery kit yet, um, you should. You won't be disappointed. So uh, go to awaydaysfootball.com, use checkout code YELLOWCARD, and get 15% off your entire order. All right, thanks for listening. And now, here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1-0! Blue foul shot! Oh my word! It's unbelievable. He ran around the pitch like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And the sight of 2-1 to the home team will be familiar to most of us after this week, after a 2-1 victory last weekend to a 2-1 midweek victory, and then a 2-1 away defeat to Newcastle. And all I can say about that is we led in every category except for the one that actually matters. And it was much better than any recent performance we've put in um, up at St. James's Park. Um, I My only hope is that the away fans could actually see it. Uh, and there's no guarantee there. But continuing with the the things that are familiar, Danny Ings scoring goals. That's that's something that is becoming more and more familiar to us as the season goes on. And, you know, a lack of back post defending. That's pretty familiar to Saints. Um, dodgy goalkeeping decisions, also pretty familiar to Saints. Watching former players go and win things and do really good job uh, and then wishing we had them back. That's pretty familiar to all of us uh, as we go on. So um, that is what's happening in the world of Saints as we speak. And Although we were out of the relegation zone for a few days, we're right back in it now. And of course, two victories were never going to uh, alleviate any of that worry. But uh, we are with the pack. We are within striking distance. We can pull other people back to us. And that's really all we can hope for. Um, that and that somebody else will get beat 9-0 so we can stop talking about it uh, as soon uh, as possible. So uh, this week, I'm joined by Aaron Sanders. Um, Aaron is the media editor at saintsworld.co.uk. Uh, you can get in touch with him on Twitter at A-R-R-O-N-S-A-N-D-E-R-S, or you can get in touch with Saints World directly at Saints World FC on Twitter. Um, they're also available on other social media channels, and the links are in the show notes. But um, Aaron has never been on the show before. This was the first time a big thanks to Aaron for being patient with me as I figured myself out uh, and then coming on the show and uh, being willing to talk about uh, working for saintsworld.co.uk and then also just being a fan and breaking down the game. So that's what we'll do. We'll talk a little bit about Norwich, a little bit about Newcastle. We'll take your questions and more, uh, but that's enough from me. 
Let's get to the show. Get to Aaron. We'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Aaron Sanders. You can find him on Twitter at Aaron Sanders. He is the media editor at saintsworld.co.uk. Um, Aaron, thanks for joining us and uh, welcome to the show. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I probably should have asked you to make sure that it is how I pronounce your name uh, before I did that, but am I, am I right? Yeah, you are correct. No, no issues there. I have a little bit of a of a confession. Uh, as a, I have a spreadsheet with everybody's name on it as they're coming up, and as I was uh, looking for yours, I didn't. I accidentally erased the cell that had um, where to contact you on it, and so I was looking through places, and uh, I was spelling your name wrong. I could not find you, and was starting to stress out uh, on Tuesday, and then finally uh, found it in my email. But it was from Twitter. It was a mess. But I apologize for. Uh, <laughs> for that, I, I, I probably didn't need to tell you that, but I, I'm going to anyway. So, um, yeah. So if anybody's looking for you on Twitter, it's A R R O N S A N D E R S. So, uh, sorry about that. That's uh, all right, man. You probably won't be surprised to know that it's not the first time that that would have happened to me. So, uh, you're, you're all good, man. No all right. Until. All right. We can, you know, I guess you can blame your parents. Uh, people call me Mark <laughs> constantly. Um, it's, it's just what it is. So I think we're, we're together on that one. Um, but overall, I mean, not a, I would say a terrible week. Obviously, we, we talked about uh, the win last weekend uh, on the last show, and, uh, but we have a midweek win to talk about, and then uh, and just a disappointing loss, I guess, at Newcastle. But um, I guess the game went better than any of the previous ones we've had, you know, in, in recent years anyway, uh, up there. Yeah, not a happy hunting ground for Saints, is it? Um, St. James's Park. But uh, no, we didn't perform too badly today. We just... I suppose it's the same old. We didn't take our chances, and we've always got a mistake or two in us at the back. So mm-hmm. Newcastle are on a good run of form at the moment, and I suppose they took the chances that came their way. So, but on on the whole, it's been a pretty positive week, I would say, compared to you know previous weeks gone by. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, we'll we'll get to the games and we'll get to all that. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about you because. Whenever there's somebody on on the show for the first time, we try to get to know them just a little bit so people have an understanding of of, of where you're kind of coming from. So uh, most Southampton fans, or a lot of Southampton fans, it seems like have some connection to Southampton. Are you a, a, a local? Are you uh, born in the area? Or did you move to the area? Or how did that? Uh, how did you become a fan of the of the team? Yeah, so I was born in Southampton, um, Princess Anne Hospital in Southampton. Uh, lived pretty much all my life in the New Forest area of Southampton. Uh, so local stayed loyal to the local team unlike some people I guess and uh, <laughs> I spent a lot of my childhood down at Staplewood um, when training sessions were open to the public and sort of fell in love with the team really. Um, your family also you know, mom and dad everybody support Saints or was the, the house divided at all? Uh, it's a divided family uh, and origins of my family are from London uh, sort of in the Woolwich area, sort of South London, but they're all Arsenal fans because Woolwich Arsenal is where the Arsenal team originated from. Uh-huh. But as the family moved down here, the younger sort of generations more and more went towards the port in Southampton. And I'm sort of continuing on that side, but there is a bit of a split. All right. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess they were probably pretty happy with us then when the uh... They drew with us, and then Emery got sacked. So I guess everybody's happy there. You know, we get a point. Uh, they they get a new manager, which I, I think most Arsenal fans wanted at that point. 
Yeah, I think they were happy. I don't think we were too happy there. We had more than enough chances to win that game, but um, yeah, they got Emery the sack, so they were they were ecstatic about that. I think they want and most of them I've spoken to seem to want Pochettino um, to take over, which would yeah, we can get into that later if that comes up. But I'm a big admirer of Pochettino, so if he does go there, then that'll be great for them. Yeah, we have a question that might that might make its way in there, so we'll we'll see. Um, you kind of mentioned going down to Staplewood and stuff uh, as as a kid, but do you have any particular moments that kind of stand out in, in your time kind of watching Saints, or is there a particular, maybe it's an era, maybe it's just a, a match or a goal or, or whatever it is, but do, do you have anything that stands out to you as like a particularly fond memory? Uh, probably just my first time going to the Dell as a kid. Um, I was five years old when I went to my first live match at the Dell. Um, it was actually against Newcastle. And we won that game. It tends to be the way one played Newcastle. We went at home, lose away. Um, but yeah, that was amazing. I actually saw Matt Letizia score um, a goal that day. So from then on, no surprise that he was my favourite Saints player growing up as a kid, like most Saints fans of that era, I guess. But uh, it was definitely, I suppose, my first day going into the Dell and just being so close to the pitch and, you know, Literally, you could lean over and touch the players if they were taking a throw in. You didn't try that, though, did you? <laughs> no, not if I yourself. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, it's better than anything than the uh, Man-, Man City fans gave some of those Manchester United players, I guess, uh, water bottles and abuse. Uh, not not what we want to see at games. But, um, but yeah, I mean, um, do you, I, mean, I guess, do you remember the, the move then to, to St. Mary's? And, I mean, what was can you kind of describe the difference between like walking into the Dell for the first time and, and then walking into St. Mary's for, for the first time? It's very, very different. Um, St. Mary's was very modern. It, would, it, it didn't feel that special to me because if you've been to away games prior to the move, a lot of the grounds around that time were similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunderland, um, especially if you've been to Sunderland, it was a slightly smaller version of the stadium of light is what it kind of felt like walking in for the first time, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, and I you know, St. Mary's has grown on me more years, but I've always sort of been a more bigger fan of the Dell than St. Mary's, but St. Mary's is home now. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, it's always got this memories I suppose at St. Mary's now makes it special as well sure yeah, special, special home games you know into Milan in the European Cup um, come back against Liverpool under Ronald Koeman so many so many games that jump out at home but just memories come flooding back when you walk through it these days I can say that St. Mary's and then, uh, you know, the London stadium are the only stadiums I've ever walked into. So both of those feel special to me just because it was the kind of the first time that I had been to, uh, either St. Mary's, which is, you know, obviously where I, where the team I support plays. And so when I, the, when I get to go there for the first time, it's a big deal. But then, uh, you know, the first time I saw him play was at, at the London stadium. And so walking out of there was, was all kinds of, um, you know, just the feeling of, of anticipation and stuff like that. And then, uh, we lost three, nothing, but, um, it it it's uh i understand those those stadiums are not maybe they don't have some of the the charm as, uh, as some of those other things it's not like walking into you know craven cottage or 
some of these other places that you can think of. I think of uh, Goodison Park as being somewhere that might be uh, nice to go see. Um, I don't think you're alone in remembering the Dell uh, slightly more fondly than you do of St. Mary's. But uh, like you said, it's home now and, and we have some memories there as well. So uh, hopefully we continue to make them and they are positive. But uh, at home has not been a happy hunting ground lately until uh, kind of the last week. So hopefully we're starting to uh, turn that around. But um you also do some work with uh, saintsworld.co.uk, the website that is run by, by Robbie uh, for the most part. And then, and then you are part of the, the team that helps do the editing and stuff like that. But what do you, I guess just describe your role and, and how that came about and, and what people can find if they go to the website. Um, for, the, for the content, we sort of pride ourselves on being like a family-friendly website, uh, free for anyone who wants to put their thoughts on anything Saints FC related down and all they need to do is contact any one of us, whether it be Robbie or myself, and so just put their words down and we'll make sure that it gets up on the website. Um, you know, we partners partnered up with TSP, another podcast. Um, if people can go on our website and watch their episodes there. Um, but it's all already sort of just try to connect, you know, have a place where all Saints fans can go and read their family-friendly stuff, different opinions, different, you know, on whether it's match reviews, previews, just thoughts on subjects of the day, anything like that, really. Um, kind of got started. Robbie was looking to launch the site. Um, I dropped him a message on Twitter saying, you know, if you need any help or you, know, you want, want someone to help contribute, then I'm more than happy to do anything to help. And, yeah, kind of started by looking after the social media stuff, um, running sort of the Twitter accounts. Um, we've also got a Facebook group, Instagram account as well. And, yeah, so more, more stuff that gets... Edited. I started off as a writer before I even started with Saints Club for different websites like The Ugly Inside and Southampton. Um, so I kind of just wanted to build on build on that base that I already had going into it. Really. I mean, do you find it? I guess we've talked about it with other people on the show before, but as you know, when when the team is not doing well, um, sometimes. It's, some people find it harder to to continue to do the work because it is hard work. Editing is not necessarily always a fun job. Um, even writing for me is something that is super difficult. Uh, and I force myself to do it cause I want to get better at it. Um, and, but sometimes when it's, you know, when the team is not doing well, it's not, uh, it's not a terribly, uh, it doesn't, it is not terribly fulfilling, I guess sometimes. Um, do you find that it's harder to get people to, to write and get people to do stuff and, and then do the actual work when the team is not performing or, or do you think that it's, you know, since the website started, it's kind of just been, um, you know, we've kind of been terrible since then. So it's just kind of what it is. Uh, it can be a bit of both. Um, you know, some people will find it quite soothing to vent their frustrations by writing something down. Um, I think it can be difficult for, for all of us, really, whether it's people contributing or if you're editing something, then you can't let your own personal feelings 
going on a particular bad run of form or you know if we've been under particular management then you're critical of a certain aspect of their management style then try not to let your own personal views at that point in time affect the role that you're doing mm-hmm. and have hindrance on anyone who does decide to contribute so it, I suppose we're all human it can be difficult to block that out at times um, but as I say we all need to be fair to each other um, but as I say it's not not always too difficult a job to do because you know some it's easier for some people to write it down yeah so that's what that's what we're here for I suppose at the end of the day to give them that platform sure sounds good sounds good um, so if, if people want to visit saintsworld.co.uk the link is in the show notes and people can go do that and also the link to the social medias is also there so people can um, get in touch if they want to write or if they just want to read or they want to do uh, whatever it is they they can do that so let's I guess move on towards uh, the matches and it's not very often we have two matches to talk about uh, and I was I want to be in home um, and and got to watch mm. a, a good portion of the uh, the Norwich match uh, unfortunately a water pipe broke at some point and I had to go attend to that but um, I mean, Redmond made his 350th club appearance, not for Saints, but just club appearances in English football, uh, I guess, in general. Um, but I, I guess for, for you, we'll start with the, uh, with the lineup and, uh, was there any, any, you have any issue with the lineup that's being chosen? The fact that we've gone to back to a back four now, uh, pretty consistently for the past three matches, it's, it's stayed, uh, the same, including the goalkeeper. Um, and the team has largely been unchanged, but I mean, uh, you feel pretty confident with how things have been going um, since then? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I think it's something that we should have done maybe a bit sooner, but uh, I understand obviously Ralph being hesitant to make a change, especially at the back when we've been so fragile and seeking so many goals. Unfortunately, in the early part of the season, he, you know, he's probably not had that confidence to commit to the change, um, but it was good to see it happen. I think when you get beat 9-0 at Leicester, it kind of gets to the point, well, can't get any better, so let's try something else. Um, and I think it's definitely improved the team. I guess you hear like the term defending in numbers, and maybe some people apply that to just having more defenders, but... I think actually this move um, to the back four and us kind of attempting to push higher up the pitch uh, and, and kind of force the other team into mistakes, looking at the opposition that we've come up against the past three matches, uh, it has worked pretty pretty well, it, uh, maybe less well against Newcastle, but still I think I think pretty well overall. And the first half against Watford, we didn't look particularly great. Uh, we, met, we wound up getting the win. The first half against Norwich, I think, was, was better. Um, we had a lot more of the ball early on, but not a, not a ton of chances. But uh, you know, we got up uh, inside twenty five minutes um, from from um, James Ward Prowse set piece uh, to Danny Ings. But um, I mean, I, I thought we were much much better uh, than Norwich in the first half, and and probably could have been more than just two nothing up uh, by halftime. But um, I guess were you were you happy with kind of how the team came out? I think that that sometimes a night game at St Mary's in the middle of the week, if you think about. Uh, what we had in the past recently, it hasn't necessarily always been great. Uh, Bournemouth stands out as a, as a night game. Um, uh, the Leicester City one, of course, stands out as another night game. But, uh, you know, 
um, midweek. I think the weather was pretty bad, but we, we seemed to show up and at least put in a good 45 minutes early on. And, and I think that's something we can kind of be pretty happy with. But I mean, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was definitely good to get a positive performance under the lights and, and win at home, uh, finally. Uh, I expected us to be better um, against Norwich than we were against Watford, just because of the type of game that Norwich play. Um, I think suits our style better, um, especially where they do have a bit more of the ball. We do tend to do better ish under Ralph with teams who have the ball and when we win it we can quickly spring an attack um, and I think the the midfield to pivot of Weberg and Ward-Prowse have complemented each other quite well in the new system um, although I was surprised a little bit to begin with to see Romero dropped um, but I think obviously he's seen in training how well those two can combat each other to sort of win the balls back and get those attacks going. And I think a team like Norwich was always going to present us with a better opportunity to, to play the way we want to play. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I know not everybody likes Romeo, but I think I like Romeo. And I, I think in this in this system, though, you can't play with a true kind of holding midfielder. You have to have two guys who can kind of do um, everything you have to have guys who can who can run up and down the pitch who can um you know break up play who can make passes and and maybe we struggle with a guy who's really good at all of those things but i think that ward prowse and, and hoiberg at least in the last kind of um you know we, we look we're looking at this run of games where we were going to play watford and norwich and, and we needed to get six points from them and um whether or not we thought we were going to we knew we needed it and we managed to do it and i think they were kind of a large part of that and ward prowse if nothing else for um, you know, the set pieces and things like that. And then, um, you know, Hoiberg is out there kind of leading the team and and kind of doing all of the things that are needed in the middle of the field. And I thought that they held themselves uh, very well against uh, a team that was playing with one extra man in midfield and they didn't look like it. They didn't look like um, they were able to dictate play uh, against us, which I thought was, was really good. And it speaks highly to uh, the work rate of the guys in front of the midfield as well. Like that we're also working really hard to, to close down passing angles and make uh, passing or close down passing lanes and make passing difficult and therefore making the job of the, maybe the midfield too uh, a little bit easier. But still, they were uh, they were all working extremely hard, kind of up and down uh, the entire game. So um, pretty pretty good for them. But um, yeah, um, I guess you, you want to talk a, a little bit about about. Ward Prowse and the the set pieces and all that stuff because it's always what gets brought up on every broadcast here as soon as there's a, a dead ball that Ward Prowse is over it and how good the delivery is and um I don't know like uh, he was on the money for those two again and uh for the first goal Ings just gets his head uh to it just a little bit just enough to redirect it and um you know it, it it's a goal and we're up one nothing and kind of off and running um and then you know, Bertrand got a goal finally, uh, but I think the the big thing there was the ball came in and Long got up and was able to flick it on. And, and I don't know what the guy was doing at the back post. I think I have a screenshot in the notes here. Um, the guy's kind of covering his face and not doing anything else standing there at the back post where he just defends the ball. Maybe we don't go up to nothing. Yeah, I think um, Bertrand in general has been, since his 
suspensions come back and and a lot better. Um, seems to have you know gone away and you know found himself a little bit almost and that he gets a lot of flack from fans about his attitudes. You know certainly before the suspension. Um, but whatever it is, you know that's sort of got his head back in the game. It seems to have seems to have clicked um, all round. He seems to have upped his game, um, and it was good to see him, you know, be in the right place at the right time from Long's flick on for the second goal. Browsey's uh, dead ball ability is you know, up there with the best in the league. Um, I think that's why, you know, not just. Ralph, but managers you know, before that try have tried so hard to find a place for him in the team just so that he's on the pitch for all those situations. Um, I think obviously he's recently, over the last of the season or so, had to show that he's got more in his locker and deserves to be on the pitch for more than just that. But um, He's, he's he's certainly if he's in within striking distance or you know, in anywhere in around that penalty area where he can put a decent delivery in, we know that we've got a good chance of making something happen. Yeah, um, I guess for me, I, I mean, we we he seems to come up a lot on the show in terms of of is he doing enough to justify the place? Is is he, I guess, is the dead ball worthy of of him being in the in the team and um, are we sacrificing elsewhere where we could have a better player potentially, uh, where somebody else who's maybe not quite as good, um, you know, putting in, in, uh, you know, set pieces, set piece deliveries, you know, could we get by with that? But I think a lot of our goals recently have come from set pieces. You know, a lot of them have been James Ward Prowse. Um, at least he's been involved in, in the set piece kind of stuff, you know? And other than that, it's been him scoring or Danny Ings scoring. And so, I think it answers the questions about his performances and, and whether or not he should be in the team. I think he's, if you look at the team, he's got to stay in until he, you know, does something that is, is far below par. But I think right now uh, there's no way you could, you could talk about taking him out of the lineup because I think you'd just be, you'd be missing a little bit too much. Yeah, definitely. Danny, both to think where we would be right now about Danny Ings uh, and his goals, um, to be honest with you, but um, he's definitely, been all that we wanted him to be when the move was made permanent. Um, definitely seems to have had a great pre-season behind him. He's, we've not really had touch with him. not really had any major injury issues with Danny Young so far this season and long may that continue because if we can keep him fit all season he can easily sort of get Know, 15 goals this season, which could be the difference between us being a Premier League team next season and not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, after Danny Ings, the next highest goal scorer for us is, is James Ward Prowse, though. So I think until you know Nathan Redmond's not unfortunately doing what he did for us last season in terms of you know the amount of goals and assists that he was able to get that got him you know, player of the season. Um, and Prousey seems to be the one now that's almost stepping up to be that sort of assist and goals player for us. So, you know, until someone else can step up and start filling those 
attributes. I, I don't think we can afford to drop Browsey either, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Premier League goal scorers and just uh, Premier League goals now, um, you know, Vardy, top of the list. Um, if he's not on your fantasy team, this is not a fantasy podcast, but you should get him in your team. Um, uh, Aubameyang, Rashford, uh, and then Danny Ings and Sergio Aguero are tied uh, with nine or level at nine uh, with Harry Kane and Sadio Mane. So, like, if you if you look at the list of those players, um, I think the only real surprising one for me is is Rashford. Um, I would say also that Rashford takes the penalties uh, or tries. I guess mm-hmm. they all share they all share missing them at United for some reason. Um, but I mean, you look at the list of people that that he is, uh, you know competing with and a side that's not scoring very many goals. And, and if you look at our performances and, and just our, our season, it hasn't been a great run. Um, and he hasn't had one game where he scored three or four goals and then not, and then gone, you know, dormant or, or, or invisible for games. He's been in uh, games and helping us a lot. And I think, I think Ralph mentioned that he may have run um, more than some of the midfield players in, in midweek and for him to be able to do that and then still contribute and score goals. I think he's, he's doing, um, uh, fantastic. And, and anybody who's, I think, criticizing him and saying, you know, we paid too much or whatever. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's true at all. I think we got, uh, are, are pretty fortunate that he wanted to come back. Um, or he wanted to come down to Southampton, um, back home, I guess. And then he is, uh, you know, been lucky enough, like you said, to, to remain, um, relatively injury free. And we'll have to see how it, how it kind of goes over the busy schedule. And I think our, our main job right now is to find him a partner that works. And if it's long, then it's long. And if it's, if it's Adams, then it's Adams. But whoever it is, that that person has to kind of do the things that that will help Danny Ings score more goals, and um, that's what we that's what we need from uh, from the team right now. Because I, I think if you have a playmaker like that, if you have a guy who can score you goals, um, you got to kind of do what you can to support him and, and get him into positions to to be able to do that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there was a stat earlier that I saw that said you know only two other players have scored in five successive Premier League appearances for Saints. Um, and that's James Beattie and Malatis. So, you know, the fact that he's only the third Saints player to score in five successive games just shows what a run he's on at the moment. And whoever it is, Ralph decides to pick alongside him, whether that's, it seems to be Shane Long at the moment that's working. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So... Mm-hmm. If it's long, it's long. Um, Shane Long does a lot of stuff off the ball that I'm quite a big admirer of. I know he can be a bit of a, you know, marmite type player for the fan base, but um, I'm a big fan of what Long does off the ball. Yeah, he definitely divides opinion, but I think a lot of our players do. I think you know, you look at James Ward-Prowse; he does the same thing. Redmond does the same thing. I think the ones that don't, I think uh, I'm trying to think right now. Uh, maybe Bednarak, I think maybe might be the only one. I think other than that, everybody has uh, varying opinions on a lot of people. So, um, I don't know, I don't know. But um, I, I guess the good news about the the Norwich game is uh, we did, you know, have a, a, a kind of a defensive lapse. And I guess one person maybe that doesn't divide opinion either is Cedric, because it seems like most people are anti Cedric at this point after his uh, his comments in the newspaper and his performances since then have not shown. Uh, to, to be overwhelmingly um, great, they haven't. He hasn't helped himself, I guess, uh, all that much. But um, there's a lot of space in there for Pookie between Cedric and Stevens. Um, he gets back to two one, and then kind of felt like w- when we looked at the at the subs, 
Um, if you go back and look at the subs from the Arsenal match and from uh, the Watford match, they were very, uh, they were very much going forward. Uh, we lost the Arsenal match, kind of trying to get a third goal, um, which I, I said at the time I was okay with. I still, I think I still am. Um, you look at the Norwich game. Obviously, we we're trying to, or sorry, the, the Watford game. We we're trying to get back into it, trying to get um, ahead and win the match, and, and we did. Uh, and then you look at, uh, you know, this game where the subs I think fit the situation, where it was clear that maybe we were a little bit leggy or or whatever, and and the subs kind of came in just to kind of sure it up and and decide to to kind of shut up shop and and, and get out of there with a win. And I think we did, um, even if it's not you know the the fans' favorite thing to see. But I think it was uh, it was warranted. But I was wondering, you know, what um, from your perspective was that, uh, you know, were you, you have issues with that, or you have issues with the way the the team tried to see out the game, or were you okay with the tactics that Ralph employed uh, down down the line there? The tactics were fine. Um, I think we're all always a bit edgy, um, especially when a team scores against us, uh, as to whether we're then going to be able to hold. Hold on, just just because I suppose those scars are still relatively fresh in our minds of you know tending to capitulate under the pressure. Um, fortunately, the last couple of games, Watford and Norwich, seem to have been a bit of a morale booster in terms of actually being able to hold on. Um, the substitutions, I think, Ralph got spot on in, in both those games, um, which, you know, contributed to getting the right result, um, which is good to see. Um, he did, did, to me at least, go on a bit of a spell where he wasn't necessarily making the choices that I would have made for subs or the right times for those subs, but he seems to have maybe himself got a bit of confidence from way that the team's been performing better even from the Arsenal game really the performance levels were were much much better so I think not just not just the team but Ralph himself have, has sort of got his mojo back and that's contributed towards positive results. I think there was definitely a time when he was making what we all seem to be or all seem to think were, were super odd decisions and I think everything was kind of going wrong at that point. Performances weren't there. Uh, the substitution seemed to be off. Everything seemed to be kind of uh, going the wrong direction. But it seems like, at least since this break, since the most recent international break, things have been uh, a lot better. And, and you know, the some of the real positives I think we can take from the Norwich game are, uh, you know, the the chances we created were were pretty good chances. We created a number of them, even with uh, kind of less of the ball. Um, the fact that we were able to move out of the the relegation zone, given kind of what happened to Everton and and things like that, um, were I, I thought that was you know that was the first time in a while that we've been out of the relegation. I think the first time since September, um, and so just that that in and of itself, just a couple of days of of uh, being able to lift ourselves and and keep the the rest of the pack close and within striking distance, I think was was super super important. Um, it would have been very nice, of course, uh, against Newcastle to, to continue that trend. Uh, and we're going to talk about it in just a second. We were so close to doing that. Uh, that is that is very frustrating. But uh, it just wasn't, you know, it, it just didn't quite do it. But we'll we'll get to that in a second. But um, I mean, I think there was a lot to take also from the the performance of 
um, not just the the first half, but even in the second half when we weren't maybe quite as good uh, when things didn't quite go our way, that we were still able to kind of hold out and uh, you know get through it and get three points and and move on towards towards Sunday. But um, you know we mentioned at the top of the show that the 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 trip to Newcastle to St James's Park is never an easy one. Uh, I think it's I want to say it was three nil defeats each of the last two seasons. Maybe I think it was the see. I, I want to say this is the jo- the the match that cost uh you know or was the last match that Pellegrino managed. I won't say it cost him his job. I think his job was gone a lot before then. Um, but I want to say that we've had we've had a pretty poor run of form up there. And um, you know, a TSP host Ben Stanfield, of course, drove down for one of those ha- at halftime. We were down three nothing. Went to the went to the bar downstairs instead. Um, and enjoyed the rest of his afternoon instead of watching Saints kind of put in a pretty pitiful performance. I still remember that story and will not forget it because I just that's what I should have done uh, at at uh, West Ham, I think. Um, but we saved the drinking for after, so uh, there there you go. But um, in terms of the the lineup for today's match, uh, the same team unchanged from midweek. Uh, the only difference being Vestergaard on the bench for Danzo. But any any issue with that, given that the guys did a lot of running and a lot of pressing, and you know you're asking them to do it again, kind of in a short turnaround, or you think that that Ralph just thinks these are the guys that can do the job, and I'm going to have them do it anyway, or do you think that that it all cost us late in the game, maybe uh, when we maybe just ran out of steam? I don't think you can blame Ralph really for not wanting to change a winning formula. Um, I think every manager searches for that and if they've got something that's working then why change uh, I mean we've all got our own you know opinions on should certain people be starting in general um, I think you mentioned Cedric earlier on um, Dan Battery not even on the bench so he's obviously got a lot of faith in Cedric and sees something that some of us don't but uh, no I can I, I don't really have too much of a problem with it because as I say, I, I would expect I would expect that really. If you've got something that's that's not great, then then why why play with it? Right, right, absolutely. All right. Um, yeah, I, I thought both teams came out with quite a bit of energy in the first five minutes. Um, hmm. a, lot, a lot of uh, Newcastle seemed to be pressing us a little bit, and that always that's always a bit nerve wracking uh, to see your team kind of get pressed and you just kind of go, "This is one mistake, and they're in." But um, we seem to handle it just fine. Um, and it seemed like they were the more nervy of, of the two teams. If you kind of look at it, I thought like yeah. the game was pretty lively and I was pretty happy with how we started the match, especially given that we had just played a couple of days before. Of course, Newcastle had one day fewer rest, I think, uh, than we Ooh. did, but, um, were you pretty happy with kind of the opening exchanges of the match and how the team kind of seemed to approach, uh, just the, the overall, uh, from the, from the outset, I guess. Yeah, I was actually, um, I thought we started pretty well. Um, I was pretty impressed um, considering the run of form that Newcastle have been on. Um, the fact that we were able to sort of compete 50-50, if not maybe even slightly edge in the opening sort of passages of the game was was good to see. Uh, and um, you know, at that point I was actually feeling quite optimistic about what, what we might be able to achieve from, from the game. Um, so as the game went on, I think in the first half, Redmond's one-on-one chance was the best chance of the first half, um, which is 
was a shame really that he wasn't able to convert that. I mean, I think that would have been a world good for his confidence right now. You can see he's not not a confident player at all, um, which is which is a shame considering how well he was for us last year. I think the Redmond of last year would have stuck that one away from us for us. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, I was very impressed with the first half, and um, to be honest with you, I was. I was optimistic going into the break. I mean, that, like you said, that opening, that opening chance for Redmond was, I think, by far the, the, the best chance we had. And it was, it was good of him to be aware uh, of the situation and, and take the chance to, to go and press for the ball and try to intercept that. Um, I thought maybe he took it a little bit early. Like maybe he had another step or two, another touch or two to, to make the goalkeeper commit and just slide it by him, you know, but I think, as you said, he's, he's definitely not uh, a confident player right now. And um, I think two, two matches ago, he was, he was told uh, he was pulled off early and, and Ralph mentioned that he just wasn't brave enough that game. And so I think since then he's really shown a little bit more um, doing a lot more things off the ball. I think he, um, I want to say he had more tackles than everybody else, maybe other than Hoiberg uh in it was either Watford or Norwich and so like stuff like that I think it, it just shows he can do that stuff he just sometimes has to be reminded that his spot is not uh it's not guaranteed in the team he's got to come out and kind of earn that and at the same time uh people you know we want to see our our wingers kind of creating and scoring those chances and you you think about guys like like Buffal you think he probably puts that away uh if if he's in that same situation and uh, Janapo, uh, he might rifle it into the roof of the net or kick it into the stands, but he, he likely will put that away. But um, it's uh, it's one of those things where you you wish he would get to be able to, to just convert that and get off the mark and maybe get some confidence back, but he doesn't. But yeah, it's it is it is one of those one of those things. Um, I don't know. I can't really remember that many clear cut chances other than that that Redmond uh, that Redmond chance really. Um, I think there were a couple of times that. It was clear they Newcastle were going to attack down our right, down Cedric's side, uh, and they did that repeatedly. and And he was he committed a number of fouls. I thought uh, that were maybe not necessary, but I think it just showed that he was a little bit concerned about the pace of Newcastle's attack down that side and his uh, kind of unwillingness to be exposed uh, in the way that he had been over recent matches. And so he was giving away free kicks that I thought could have been dangerous, but. Um, for the most part, I thought we we survived them, but it's still not something I was super super happy with. Um, and if I'm trying to pick out a, a, a negative of that, I would say that that was what it is. Um, but I thought also we were really we were really positive with the press. We really forced Newcastle into making a lot of mistakes and creating chances, and we just weren't able to convert them. And as a result, um, of course, you know it's uh, it's 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 another loss for us, unfortunately. But um, you know there. There you go. Um, I don't know anything else in the first half really stand out to you as as something that that needs attention or or something should be anybody should be praised for. Uh, no, I think the main thing I think we can agree on uh, teams in general really, uh, not just Newcastle, seem to target Cedric side of the pitch. Um, so it's obviously not just you know us in the stands that I'm noticing his lack. Performances of late, I think obviously teams are going into into games against us with sort of a plan of you know get get the ball down that side and and you'll have some joy against us. So and they've Newcastle have 
uh, a saint of their own who caused them no end of problems. Uh, guy who was full of confidence, got his first goal um, against Sheffield United, and I think they exposed that as much as they could, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he's lively, right? Like the, that that kind of unpredictability, that pace. It reminds me of of guys. You think of Adama Traore, who who you know can run by you. It's just can you do the rest of it? Um, but Saint Maximum seemed to uh, have a couple of times, I think, in the second half, uh, be able to just dribble through a couple of guys too, be able to get it through space um, and create a create an opportunity. So it wasn't just straight pace. He could he could. He had some of the other things that were um that, that that you want a winger to have, I guess. And and Cedric was definitely concerned with what he was uh up against. And um although uh this was pointed out in one of the group chats, Valerie's not overly pacey, um, but you just wonder, you know, uh, how that would have gone had had that really had that um had that matchup been there. And so maybe maybe this was the right choice in terms of, of that, but I think uh, also uh, right at the end of the first half, um, Cedric gives away a free kick for no apparent reason, uh, and then doesn't mark the man at the back post, and, and Newcastle actually created a chance from it. But um, luckily, uh, it was was nothing going. But we went in at halftime, uh, you know, scores level, but us having you know a sixty percent possession, you know, created just just slightly more shots. So not as much, maybe not as uh, ruthless as we could have been in terms of the the chances that we we maybe had or. Uh, and maybe us having more of the possession um, takes away a little bit of of our game plan of of pressing them high and forcing them into uh, a lot of mistakes where where they can be punished. Um, but in, in Newcastle, of course, we're always going to be dangerous, kind of on the break. But I would say that up until Ings scored in the in the second half, there wasn't a whole lot to to kind of write about or talk about. Um, and then you know Ings puts us ahead, which uh, if you look at the the goals scored for Saints over the past couple of weeks. It's no, or actually, I say past couple of months. It's no surprise that it's Ings doing doing that. I mean, what did you what did you make of of the goal that he managed to score today? And were you surprised at all? I guess that it was him that did it and not anybody else. I'm not surprised at all with the form that Danny Ings is in at the moment. I think it's just um, typical uh, typical strike and all round goal really for for someone in his runner form. Um, I think it was night and day really. He, Sort of look at Ings's goal and then look at Redmond's miss in the first half. That it just shows what confidence can do to players. This is how he, he can't seem to everything he touches turns to gold right now. So I, I was seeing as it was him in that position. I kind of was expecting the ball to end up in the back of the net. To be honest with you, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would say that. Other than other than that, uh, Newcastle didn't defend balls into the box very confidently. I would say that a lot of times they were, um, they were they were lacking just getting the ball away. They were allowing the ball to bounce too many times, and uh, I would say they didn't defend uh, that Ings chance very well. But um, it was good for Ings to kind of to pursue the chance to hold off the defender and and kind of uh, make sure he got the finish over, and that was that was great. Um, I guess I can say going into halftime, I was pretty confident. I was pretty happy with how the things were going. I thought this would be a very positive conversation. Even if the game, if the game ended at halftime, I, I think I'd be totally happy. I would say, oh, you know, we maybe we left some points on the table, but you know, the performance was there. Uh, when Ings puts us ahead, I was not really worried. I thought we had, I thought we were doing enough to kind of get out of there with some with with, with points, I guess. And then 
I would say that I, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I think in, in recent weeks, I've noticed that uh, McCarthy does a couple of things. He'll come for a cross maybe, and he'll he'll get there. He'll make the punch. He'll make the claim. He'll do that. And then he kind of makes up his mind that he's going to come for everything. And maybe he punches one away, and then all of a sudden he'll miss with one, or he'll just get a, t- a touch to one, or he'll spill a shot. And then it seems like it's uh, almost like a, a snowball uh, kind of, and it builds and builds and builds, and he gets, gets a little bit worse and a little bit worse with each additional cross or or shot or whatever and then it winds up with with us kind of conceding and I don't know if that's fair uh for McCarthy maybe it's just because it's he's a goalkeeper and when you make a mistake uh as a goalkeeper everybody notices because the ball winds up in the back of the net but um you know I think he he did come for a ball he spilled it and he he recovered thankfully um but I was I don't know I was a little bit uh a little bit worried about about that as as we seem to get further and further into the game. It seemed like Newcastle were getting better and better, um, but still I wasn't that worried until it seemed like when they brought on Carroll, it seemed like everything kind of uh, te- not fell apart, but it seems like Newcastle were definitely uh, pushing forward and looking like they were the more likely to score at that point. Yeah, I agree. Um, to be honest, I didn't think the center forward, is it Joel, Joel Linton? Yes. Um, who was on before Carol did much of them at all, really. I think um, Bednarek and Steven sort of kept him quiet all throughout, and uh, and Carol changed the game in, in a step. And he you know, gave them that something, even like you, I think you said earlier about them struggling to defend crosses into the box, and he gave them that extra presence at the back for set pieces especially you know, heading those out as well as giving them that focal point to I think Ralph commented after the game he mentioned Newcastle being a bit of a long ball team um, and certainly when Andy Carroll came on I think they played to his strengths in that respect yeah going back to what you said about Carroll being there for defensively it seemed like every time the, the commentator said you know Southampton put in a cross or a corner or whatever it was, it was uh, it was Carroll getting to the ball and Carroll clearing it or Carroll getting his head to it, um, and he, uh, you know, injury problems aside, d- did the job today for them. He was I think he was great when he came on. Um, I don't know what his rating will be or anything like that, but it it, it should be pretty high based on um, his contributions just to 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 the overall performance for them. So. Um, I would say, yeah, that he he definitely um, had had a lot to do with with them kind of getting back into it and stuff like that. It, with ten minutes left, obviously, it was still. I, I guess we should probably talk about their first goal. Obviously, uh, Saints failed to score again from uh, after the Ings uh, after Ings put us ahead. Um, Newcastle do level it up. Um, can I guess walk us through Newcastle's first goal and kind of just give us your kind of rundown of of how that happened and maybe what we could have done better or maybe you know uh, what your thoughts on it were. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it was, it was quite a good goal from them, um, especially the cross that came in from Andy Carroll. I don't think great crossing ability is something that you'd necessarily associate with Andy Carroll, but I think the ball comes ball comes over and goes right away through to the other side of the box. And it's Carroll that actually is the one that goes out for them and, and retrieves it and actually manages to sort of Turn the turn the player that goes out to him and, and and whips in a really good ball and Shelby 
I think who was the guy who had initially put the ball in that had gone all the way through uh-huh. but obviously bust the gut to get himself into the box and was there to head it head it home for them. Uh, so if you're from a Newcastle perspective it was a it was quite a well worked goal in that sense, but um you know, from our point of view Defenders not picking up the runners that are coming into the box, and you know Shelby's relatively got a free head on it. Yeah, uh, I think he. I think he, you know you mentioned the job that Andy Carroll did for Newcastle, uh, both defensively and then of course being the one to put in that cross. That was an absolutely beautiful cross, um, and Shelby having made that put the ball in initially, uh, kind of just makes his way into the box and. You see Redmond check his shoulder and then not like just not attack it, not attack, not go with him, not attack the ball, not not do enough. And it's kind of like everybody has their man on a set piece or whatever. But once the ball it's when the ball is recycled and there's the second opportunity, that's when people tend to either switch off or, you know, they lose track of, of the man they're marking or the man they're marking goes somewhere else and they they don't pick up maybe somebody else who's free or whatever it is. Um, and, and like you said, Shelby got his head to it relatively uh, cleanly without um, without a lot of you know resistance, I guess, and and that is super disappointing from us because it's one of those things where we've definitely been the better team, uh, we've had the better chances, we've created more of the chances, and yet we still managed to to at that point be level, and and that I think is is um, you know when the doubt starts to creep in. And you're now looking at, you know, how are we going to kind of get back into this and, and wind up with uh, with getting three points? Or do you just, I mean, at that point, what what was your kind of thought? Do you think Ralph just needs to shut shut this up and just, uh, you know, kind of go a little bit more defensive and hang and hang back and, and just defend? Or were you hoping that we would go forward and try to get uh, another goal and maybe uh, win the match instead of just try not to lose it? Uh, like I said, I was quite positive. Um I actually thought that, you know, maybe bringing Booth Fowl on or, or someone to inject something going forward would probably been more my approach at that point. Uh, going into the game, I think we, a lot of us would have been okay with a point. Um, but I just think because of the way that the game had unfolded and, you know, we were... You know, we had got that goal to get ourselves ahead. I think Newcastle had sort of shown themselves to be vulnerable when we had attacked them. So I think I maybe would have brought someone a bit more positive to, you know, to try and get ourselves back into the game. I mean, you know, before they scored their equalising goal between Ings and then getting that goal, we had, you know, another two or three chances really where we could have been out of sight um, and you know Newcastle made us pay for missing those chances so you know I think I think the win was still there to go for at that point um, so I probably I probably would have bought someone like Buffal on a bit sooner than he was but uh, I can you know I can see both sides of the coin the point you know going into it would have been a good result on paper so my personal opinion would have been at that point to go for it a bit more. Yeah. Well, I mean, Buffal does come on eventually, uh, 74th minute um, for Janepo, and I think Janepo would probably just run himself out. Uh, and Buffal came on right away and made 
I think an impact. He created a couple of, of, of opportunities and chances. And uh, I, I do want to just mention though, that uh, everybody seemed to be uh, praising uh, son from, from Tottenham uh, for his run uh, in goal yesterday. And I was thinking mm-hmm. it's nowhere near as good as Sofian Buffal's goal. That was, I think through as many players and, and, and I think what sets it apart is the fact that he made players run into each other and fall over. And I think that was great. And I think that's also the, a big team bias where everybody wants to, to praise Son, who I think is a great footballer, but we have to give Buffal some credit for that. Uh, I would say go to my Twitter account and look at the video, um, but that was taken down as well a long time ago. So um, Premier League doesn't like it when you post videos that aren't yours, apparently, uh, on Twitter. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I think we, we had a couple more chances even at 1-1, I thought. Uh, I think uh, JWP... Hits the side netting uh, from a set uh, from a from a dead ball. Uh, he tries to to beat Dubravka and and nearly does it. But um, I think he had the goalkeeper beat probably if he can get it in that top corner. Uh, just doesn't quite do it. Um, Redmond did well at one point to keep the ball. Um, Cedric put a nice ball in the header from Ings. Uh, I think it had long at the back post and he was just not quite. Um, able to get it on target, which uh, was a little frustrating. He just couldn't quite get to it. Um, but that's there. And, and, and just before that, I think we had maybe our, our biggest chance. I think maybe, uh, just before Buffal came on, uh, it was, a I think a corner and then, uh, Shane Long has kind of headed the ball down to Birch and not, not dissimilar from, uh, uh, from last week or midweek, I should say. And, um, this time Bertrand just can't quite react enough to keep it on the ground and he manages to sky it over. Um, and I think that one was maybe the one that, that came back to, to bite us the, the most because that's a, a big presentable chance, a chance to kind of turn the table as the momentum is already swinging away from us as a chance to kind of reclaim that uh, and bring it back. And, and the failure there to get that goal, I think, um, comes back to will, will, will come back to haunt us, I think, uh, not just in the fact that we lost the game, but I think those are the points that you look at that said like we at least deserved a point today and that was definitely the chance to to make sure we had it yeah definitely i think um momentum's a massive thing in football um and any way that you can you know get it get it to sort of be going your way is is, is big in any football game doesn't matter who you're playing against um you know if the momentum's going with you you know every player seems to up their game and Shoulders seem to sort of go out a bit, and I, I think I think that's a big thing in in any football match. It would have been prime opportunity for us to have swung it back our way at that point. Yeah, um, Longstaff would come on for Newcastle in the 85th minute and puts in a shot from outside the area, but I think it's it takes a deflection off of uh, Stevens and McCarthy manages to to just palm it away, but not nearly. Uh, far enough out of the danger zone, doesn't put it out for a corner or anything else. It just kind of um, is there, and there's nobody defending uh, the back post. Bertrand is is nowhere in sight. Um, the uh, whoever's playing out wide on that side is nowhere in sight. And Fernandez, a, a center back, um, you know, waltzes in and puts it into the roof of the net, and Newcastle are up two two one, and and that was just devastating because it was for all. For most of the match, I would say we were the better team. Um, Newcastle looked a lot better when Carroll came on, but I still thought we we had the better of the match and the better of the chances. And um, it was just 
you know, they, they took advantage of that one mistake that we made and they made us pay for it. And, and that's, you know, that's the way, that's the way it goes. And that seems to be the way our season is going for the most part. Um, but I mean, for you, uh, does, does McCarthy deserve criticism there? Does he have to do better in, in that situation? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't, I don't like to be too judgmental on our players. I don't think it helps, but yeah, um, I, I think when it's coming from as far out as it does, I think you need to either, either be holding on to it or, and if he's making a decision in his mind that he's not going to be able to, then he needs to make sure that he's pushing it away from the danger area if he's going to be pushing it back out. Um, maybe seems like he's got a bit sort of halfway house in terms of what he was going to do, whether he was going to try and hold it and then realised too late that he wasn't going to be able to. And it, unfortunately for us, goes back out into an area where, you know, you're just hoping and praying that it's a saint shirt that gets there first, but unfortunately wasn't to be. And, uh, their centre back Fernandez gets a bit of a, a bit of a tap in to be honest. So, but yeah, I think um, I think McCarthy's got to take a bit of criticism for that goal, unfortunately. Yeah, it's. I mean, I understand what you're saying about you know overly criticizing players. It's not great, and uh, I think the truth is, uh, uh, Lucy, I think made the point on on last week's Total Saints podcast when uh, I was lucky enough to be on there that uh, you know our goalkeepers just aren't very good. Like the if you just look at it, they're they're not performing well enough right now. Um, these are the types of mistakes they're going to make, and it's unfortunate because when we make mistakes, especially, I think the closer you get to goal, the the more likely a mistake is to to lead to goal. Like the you know uh, the striker makes a mistake, loses the ball. Like that's what happens. We want them to create, and and that they're going to do that. You lose in a midfield, it can open up a chance. If you lose in a defense, it's almost likely uh, to create to give the other team a chance to score. And as a goalkeeper, if you make a mistake, it's likely the team is going to put the ball in the net as a result of it. And so, um, it's important that you play kind of mistake free in that role. But uh, at the same time, like everybody makes mistakes, and it's just going to happen. And, and really, we should have probably been uh, far enough ahead at that point to to not give them that opportunity. You know, if we mark a man. Um, we marked John Joe Selvey and just put a body on him and, and or attack the ball uh, when that cross comes in from Carroll, then we don't have to worry about that first goal. If we, if Redmond puts the ball away early in the match, um, you know, maybe we're two or three goals up at that point and, and Newcastle are slightly more deflated, the fans turn or whatever it is. Um, and maybe that all changes things. But um, when you allow teams to hang around, then you you allow teams the opportunity to, to take points from you. And that's what they, that's what they did. So, I think we have to give some credit to Newcastle for for not playing a great game and still managing to get something from it, and we have to be critical of us to, uh, you know, uh, as the role that we played in, in allowing them to hang around. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Shelby, um, when he's playing well, seems to be their sort of playmaker. Um, like you say, in hindsight, if we'd have had someone. You know, trying to keep him out of the game a bit more, and you know maybe they they don't get into the positions to, to score the goals that they do. But um, it's uh, unfortunately the way that our season's gone so far is 
we don't take our chances and we've always got a mistake or two in us and I think that's just sort of followed that pattern a bit today to be honest in Newcastle we've taken the chances that have come their way yeah absolutely um so overall I guess I'll ask you to judge the week from I guess the last three games so Watford Norwich Newcastle I say I guess if I tell you we take six points from those uh, you know before the week ever starts are you are you satisfied with that yeah yeah I think you have to be considering where we were prior to Watford um, you know, we were sort of looking at possibly being cut adrift uh, and you know we're still in the bottom three as it stands now but only on goal difference so we we've certainly given ourselves a chance and you know we've dragged we've dragged teams right back into it so you know, the next two games, West Ham at home and Aston Villa away, teams around us still again. So next two games are pretty vital, I think. Um, if we can get, you know, six or four points out of those two games, then, you know, I think, I think we'll be in a good place come the end of, uh, the end of the following. Yeah, well, I, I would say that you know we're as close to Arsenal in eleventh as we are to Norwich in nineteenth. So the the table is is compressed, and that's and it's kind of you know separated itself a little bit. You have the, you know, the top of the table seems to be, kind of uh, one one section of it, and then you look at that the, those teams in the middle there from fifth down to to tenth, everybody's super close, uh, and then you look at the at the places from from eleventh down to where we are in eighteenth, and everybody is, is super compressed. So it's, it's anybody can get drug into this. Um, it's just going to take us, you know, winning some matches, and uh, unfortunately, Leicester City uh, hurt us quite a bit uh, with that. That the, the nine nil is going to to hurt us in terms of goal difference and things like that. So we ha- we're going to have a long way to go to to make up those points, but. Um, it's it's going to be like you said we're we're in it at least we are we're not cut adrift yet and and it's going to be up to us to kind of uh to kind of do that but um we're we're going over so let's let's jump into some questions unless you uh have anything else you'd like to to say based on 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 the match to wrap up Newcastle or 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 Norwich no no let's, let's crack on with the questions all right um so people can send in questions on Twitter Instagram Facebook uh they can email them to southamptondelivery.com uh, or at gmail.com or uh, however they want. Um, patrons of the show uh, who join at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery uh, get priority for having their questions answered. First question comes from Steve, who's at STE underscore unit on Twitter. And he says, here's one for you. Will we ever keep a clean sheet in a win again? What do you think? Um, yes, I think we will. <laughs> Uh, I think before the end of the season, we will keep a clean sheet. Um, as much as, you know, defensively we are pretty bad, I think we're slowly getting better. Um, I think going to the fore at the back has improved us. And I just think there's enough, there's enough about us. And there are some teams out there that are would say that we're capable of keeping out for 90 minutes. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm less confident uh, and than, than that. Um, my, my normal prediction for every, uh, anytime anybody asks me, I say 2-1 Saints, it seems, unless we're playing, you know, Liverpool or City. Because um, I, I don't like to predict us to lose. I just, I don't like that 
attitude. Uh, but I also don't feel like we're, we're going to keep a clean sheet very often. Um, whether it comes from just a wonder strike from the other team or uh, a defensive mistake from us, I just, uh, I question that. Although I do think we look much better, um, just kind of keeping the ball away from our goal, us, us putting it forward and allowing, even if we allow the other team to play with it and, um, either their, their third of the pitch or in the middle third of the pitch where we can press and kind of, uh, cause some havoc and wreaks, uh, and, and do that kind of stuff. I think we look much better than when we try to sit super deep, uh, and with a fifth center back or a fifth defender. And, um, I just think that we look better kind of when, when the ball's further away from our goal, I guess. And, and I, so I, I say we look better over the past couple of matches, but I still am not super, super confident in us keeping a clean sheet, um, there. Um, let's see. Uh, another question. Um, from a patron, uh, Kevin McGee says, do you think there will be any ins or outs in January? And we had spoken before, uh, there've been rumors, of course, as we get closer and closer to the January window about uh, what saints will do and who are going to be linked with and who's going to go, uh, where. And, and really the question I think goes always, you know, who's going to be sold if anybody, and will that free up money for us to actually bring players in? And if it does, like, will we actually spend the money on them? But, um, in terms of that, I mean, as one of the person who as one of the people who runs a page about about the the team i think transfer rumors or something you're almost required to stay up on even if you don't like it like i like i don't or do or whatever the proper thing is there um you know w- w- what are your what are your thoughts on on what's happened what's going to happen in january in terms of where we are now uh what will happen in january um i think it will either be a fair amount will happen in January or it will be very quiet it will be one or the other it won't, it won't I don't think there will be any happy mediums um seeing reports about Cedric uh, AC Milan linked to a move with Cedric recently which I'm not sure what their scout is reporting back to the hierarchy but um you know, happy for them to make a suitable bid. I mean, he's only got six months left on his current deal anyway, so I wouldn't imagine that they would need to bid a huge amount for us to be willing to listen to that. Um, and obviously, if he were to go, then we would need a right back to be brought in, because um, that would only really leave us with battery. Um, so, if we're prepared to sell Cedric, then I would expect us to dip in and, and get the right back in. Uh, also, I think today I saw your your guys at the Southampton page actually um, tweeted out that the Mirror, the Daily Mirror here had reported that um, Saints are willing to listen to loan offers for Vestergaard in January. So, obviously, we probably do have quite a surplus of centre-backs. So, and he, apart from today's squad, he's not been in the squad at all for the last two or three games. So I suppose that would make sense. Yeah. Um, so if he goes, then obviously that's it's opens up some some more possibilities. I'm not sure what's going on with Hoiberg's contract situation either. You know, whether we're in a position, if he's not going to sign a new one, whether we're going to be in a position to turn down 
a good bid for him, which you know I would advise us not to, um, because regardless of what we sell him for, I think we're at huge risk of falling out of the league if we lose a player of his stature from the team at this point in the season. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of factors there. I think we could consider that could spring some movement for us in January. Um, we could always always do with a top centre half, but they're going to be difficult to get. I think every team's after a good centre half, um, especially the lack of our defensive issues. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, I mean, if you look at even some of the top teams in the league, the the center back pairings they run out there are not the the strongest. That's definitely not the strongest part of their team. Um, but uh, as you also said, I think any, I mean, the Hoiberg's contract comes to an end, not at the end of this season, but at the end of next season. But we all know that last year is basically if you haven't signed a new contract by then, it's likely that things are not going well, and you need to be looking to sell that player. Um, but yeah, I think losing Hoiberg would be atrocious. Um, I, I think that would destroy us um, just because you're losing the captain. And if you look at the, a, a team that really lacks leadership like we do, um, losing that figure would be would be terrible. Uh, and in terms of Vestergaard, yeah, we have one too many uh, mediocre center halves at this point, and, and we need to do something to, uh, to free up some wages uh, there. But I don't, know, I don't know who you get to take him at this point. Um, maybe somewhere back in Germany, and you just say, look, like it was a nice try. We missed. Um, move on. Uh, he cut his hair as well, which now I have zero, zero time for. Um, as a person who cannot grow that type of hair, uh, to just, uh, you know, to discard it like that so flippantly is, is unacceptable. Um, uh, we have another question uh, here, and it maybe relates to the, the Cedric thing a little bit. Um, it's from Millard. 505. He says, uh, why is Cedric playing over Valerie? Another questionable performance today. Since he's already said he won't stay past the season, why aren't we giving the young proven player a run in the first team? Um, and I would say that for me, it's it's really, it, it, that is a question that I have. I, I look at Cedric being picked each and every week, it seems like, and I'm, I'm not a fan of what he's doing. Um, his crossing, uh, I think his first season he was with us, he was the most accurate crosser of the ball over the course of the season. Um, since then, I think it has gotten worse and worse and worse. And I, I can't really say that I'm, I'm happy to, to watch him play. I'm, I'm happy to have him picked. It seems like his mistakes are maybe, maybe I'm noticing them more because I'm, I'm kind of upset with him or I think it should be out of the team. And so maybe I'm being slightly more critical, but it seems like more and more his mistakes are, are, um, they, 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 they are standing out more and more and his performances are, are consistently mediocre. And that's not, I would rather see us kind of go with a couple of teams who are a couple of, um, players who are younger and, and will need time to, to kind of build into things. And, but the experience will do them good. And I think that for me, that, that might be where I would like to see us do it, even though I would also say that Valerie looked uncomfortable in a back four, uh, almost every time out last season and he looked much better as a wing back and maybe with the switch to a back forward means Cedric plays all the time, but I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? And, and I guess, do you think we should move to Valerie over Cedric and um, you know, maybe why, why don't you think Ralph is making that, that switch? Uh, Good luck. 
Southampton News Now. Uh, it says, would you rather prime Danny Ings or prime Graziano Pella? And I don't know if this comes from, uh, there was a highlight that went out the other day of uh, Graziano Pella's goals for Saints. And I mean, I love that guy. I was so disappointed when he went to, to China. But at the same time, uh, it was a brilliant move for him because I think at the time it made him like the fifth highest paid footballer in the world, um, which is a great a great thing for him. Um, but he is beautiful and some of the goals he scored are, are beautiful. Um, and so if I was going just based on looks, maybe I have to go with Graziano, but I think right now, uh, we have the guy we have and we have a guy who wants to be here. Uh, so for me, um, I think I have to go with Danny Ings just because he wants to be here. He chose to be here. He's playing for us. He's scoring goals now. And this is a much different team than we had, uh, when Pella was playing, right? Like I think Tadic was, was instrumental in, in, Pella getting some of the service he did and creating some of those chances. And um, although I would love to have those two back, um, I think Danny Ings is, has to be my choice right now. Yeah. Um, I love Pella as well. To be honest with you, I thought he was, he was great. Um, loved his passion. Loved just the way that he played and, and carried himself. Um, you know, if there was an option to sort of, get rid of all the other strikers and just have a prime Ings and Pella, then I would definitely go with that option. But uh, I think just mainly sort of going sort of similarly what you went on there, uh, Pella had a lot better team than he was playing in. Um, and Danny Ings is also a local Southampton boy. So I think on that basis, just because what Ings is doing in the current team, and obviously the fact that he's one of our own, I'll, I'll have to go with Ings as well. All right, all right. Um, well, Aaron, uh, wasn't planning on keeping you this late. I'm sorry. Um, figured we'd be done in an hour, and it's it's been well more than that since we've been on here, and uh, longer than that since we've been recording. So I apologize for that. But 
Um, thanks for coming on, man. And, and unfortunate that we didn't get the win today to kind of liven our spirits a little bit, but I think overall it was a, a pretty good week for, for the team. And, um, if people want to continue to get your thoughts and the thoughts of others, uh, they can do that, uh, at saintsworld.co.uk. Uh, also, like you said earlier, the total saints podcast, you guys are partnered with them. So that show will be up. I think generally episode, uh, their episodes are released about this time. So it should be up by now. Um, definitely by the time you hear this, but right now as we're recording, I think it just went up. Um, people can follow you on Twitter at Aaron Sanders. It's A R R O N S A N D E R S on Twitter. Um, and then of course, uh, it's at saints world FC, uh, on Twitter as well for, uh, uh, for saintsworld.co.uk. But, um, Aaron, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for, for, for doing it. And I appreciate you making time and uh, Sunday matches are always difficult to, to find the time to record after. So I appreciate you doing that. And, uh, it's been a pleasure. No worries, Matt. Cheers for having me on. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Aaron Sanders. You can find him on Twitter at A-R-R-O-N-S-A-N-D-E-R-S. That's at Aaron Sanders with two R's. He's the media editor at saintsworld.co.uk. You can get in touch with them on Twitter at saintsworldfc. Uh, the links to all of those, of course, are in the show notes. So, uh, Aaron, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for being willing to uh, break down not one but two games and delve into some questions and all of that. Uh, I really do appreciate your time. I hope that you enjoyed the experience uh, as much as I enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. While you are perusing the social media side of things, you can follow this show at SFCDELL underscore IVERY, both Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. And if you want links to our social media channels, uh, a way to suggest new guests or look up old ones, uh, a way to listen to past episodes, you can do all of that at SouthamptonDelivery.com, where you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter. Uh, And I will ask, at this time of year, uh, if you are enjoying the show and you want to give me a gift of some sort, the best thing you can do is just leave a review wherever you listen to the show, whether it be iTunes or wherever else. It helps other people find out about the show. I really would appreciate that. But uh, this show would not be possible without you listening, first of all. So thank you so much. Wouldn't be possible without the guests. So thank you to Aaron uh, and everybody else who has been a guest on the show over the years. Um, Also, without our partners, this would be very, very hard to do. So be sure to follow the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Follow them for all your Southampton FC news and needs. The podcast comes out once a week. The newsletter comes out once a week. Uh, But they are on there each and every day, keeping you up to date with everything that's going on around the club. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. And all music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Ponington Bear. We'll be back with another episode next week after West Ham, so hopefully we have three more points to talk about and we can continue moving up the table. But uh, no matter what, thanks for listening. I appreciate your time. And uh, until next time, remember that together, we march on.
Sorry, my family's walking in. Hi, guys. It's okay. Love you. I'm not going to lie to you. I got distracted. <laughs>